we had to grow up quick and and just kind of really because it was very serious stage 3b4 lung cancer she was basically diagnosed they found all these tumors in her brain because the, the cancer had metastasized the therapy that was working that was supposedly put her in remission did not work well hello hello and welcome back to the work your grass off podcast the podcast where we talk to people who are working their grasses off i'm your host erica strong rodriguez and with her is your co-host andrew strong and on today's episode, we interview Joe Hain. Joe Hain is a spiritual life teacher. Uh, this guy has one hell of a story. I don't know how he made it out on the other end of this thing. Um, it really could just make or break an individual, and I think most commonly an individual would just come out on the other side of this thing broken. Um, his, this guy's perseverance is next level. Yeah, definitely. The first 10 minutes that he was talking, I was just sitting there, I think, with my jaw on the floor because to go through something so challenging, it's one thing to come out alive, you know, to just survive, but to but to thrive, to look at this experience and say, there is a little bit of beauty in this uh, journey. There is something beautiful that came from that. And that's really what Joe did. He shares his story so beautifully. He he has an incredible journey, and I, I know that you guys are really going to enjoy it. So without any further ado, Joe, welcome to the Work Your Grass Off podcast. So we were kind of talking about it a little bit before we started recording, but we want to know where you're from. We want to know your childhood. I like all the details. Okay, I probably won't get into too much of childhood. But uh, I'll get into the stuff that <clears throat> is probably just a little bit more entertaining, if you will. Sure. So I'll probably skip forward. Um, just found out that this is probably the best best path. Boring and, childhood, uh, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's just more exciting, I guess, adulthood, if you would. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's hear about it, man. All right. Well, so you guys reached out to me because of what I do and, and kind of where you found me on TikTok. And I know we're going to get into that later on, but, you know, just helping people find abundance and love and, and light and beauty in their life. But it, it was, you know, a long road for me to come to that place, to be able to, to like just discover and know it for myself, let alone to teach others. So I kind of, I'm in the Northwest suburbs now. I literally moved back less than two weeks ago to be with my family. So just right outside of Chicago and uh, born and raised in this house that I'm, I'm in now and then lived in Chicago for a while, went to DePaul University down there and studied abroad. And when I came back, um, I was in the bartending. So I was paying for books and schooling and everything like that and, um, and drinking my way through college a little bit and uh, having fun in Chicago and then I met what would become, who would become my wife at the time, Jessica Marie. And we had a really beautiful, amazing relationship. And we started a health and wellness business, but then she was diagnosed with cancer. So everything kind of got real serious. Like you really grow up in a flash when you have, you know, you're kind of like going to school, starting a business, having fun, being very social. And then something so very serious falls on your lap. It really just escalates your maturity in, in a flash and then having to navigate that it just compounded so we had to grow up quick and and just kind of really focus in on what we were doing and what we were going to do because it was very serious stage 3b4 lung cancer and we kind of progressed through that we didn't want to get the chemo and radiation 
And it was a, just a huge story kind of going into that and, and her getting her treatment, but ended up getting uh, gene targeted treatment at uh, University of Chicago. Her father had been diagnosed with cancer six months earlier, glioblastoma. So just really aggressive, hard to beat cancer. Uh, so it's a brain tumor. So he was going through that and we were back and forth helping her family in Michigan. Then she gets the diagnosis, but for her, we were navigating it. She was asymptomatic, so it was okay. But then uh, time kind of went by. We unfortunately lost her father and then she got sick a little bit and we were curious as to what was going on. And she was basically diagnosed. They found all these tumors in her brain because the, the cancer had metastasized the therapy that was working that was supposedly put her in remission did not work. So then it was kind of like, you know, code red, all hands on deck because she had to have life, life-saving brain surgery at that point in time. So we had to rush her to the hospital and it was very chaotic and just crazy. Like those really stressful scenes in the movies that you see. And then from there, it kind of went forward. We actually moved into this house here with my folks because she needed 24 hour care. And so for about 10 months, that's what we did. And that, you know, just maturity growing up, <clears throat> navigating this, doing everything you can to feed, take care of, shower, bathe, 30 different supplements and medicines a day while managing the business. I was the, uh, I was a, a director at a luxury goods store on Michigan Avenue. So just like a lot, a, a tremendous amount of imagine. stuff. Yeah, going on. But through that, it was beautiful because we were extremely close. I had this very beautiful, loving relationship. We were together for about 10 years at that point in time, 12 years almost. And so um, everything that kind of is surfaced between a couple, like, ah, he's impatient. She doesn't like criticism. There's this, there's that. All that stuff is just incinerated because it's all surface topical stuff. And so you're kind of getting to the real root and source of a, of a relationship and what love is because mortality is facing you every single day, you know, throughout the day, we would have to take her to the emergency room. I probably took her a dozen or 15 times sleeping in the hospitals days after nights, after days, going to work back and forth, really close calls, you know, where stuff would drop and it would just be extremely serious. So when you're facing that, you know what's important and you know what's not. And so we were navigating that. And then just one day she, you know, it was the last time we had to take her to the emergency room and she just got an infection and they had to give her, put her into a coma and um, she didn't make it out. And so we had to, I had to make the choice to take her off life support and all the family came and everything like that. So extremely just raw, horrible stuff that you have to kind of do. And I was 34 at the time, you know, you think you're going to be with each other forever. And, and you see yourselves living these long lives together with grandchildren and the white picket fence and all that good stuff. And um, I received the first sign from her. Uh, she passed at 325 in the morning. And our anniversary was March 25th, 325. So it was just this little coincidence that kind of sparked almost like a spiritual revolution. And I did put some weight into it then, but it was just like really strange that she would have passed at that time. And, and, you know, the coincidence just seemed really thick and heavy. But then what happened is um, 
I went home and just, just grieving anguished husband, just, it was like a nightmare. I would actually fall asleep and then like dream about her being with, we were with one another, but she was real sick. And so in the nightmare, we were like doing everything, like going through the hospitals again, ripping her through um, hallways and which is very stressful and stuff. And then I'd wake up and it would every morning realize that she's not there anymore. Like every morning, the nightmare was more soothing and more comfortable than your reality because at least in the nightmare, she was there. And so it was just like this very anguished, grieving state of being. But the reason I'm telling all this, because it gets kind of beautiful from there is that uh, on her cell phone, she got a call from an old friend who hadn't known she, she had passed away because it wasn't like super public. And um, I don't even think we had the services at that point. And um, she was just like, hey, honey, I'm thinking about you a lot and wondering what's going on. You're coming to my mind a lot, just checking in. So I said, hey, I'm so sorry to have to be the one to tell you this, but Jess passed uh, a few days ago. And she's like, oh, this is going to sound very strange, but I'm a spiritual medium. And Jessica's coming to me to talk to you. And I'm like, my analytical mind just like, that's insane. But my <laughs> grieving heart is like, I'm all ears. So it was like, uh, I didn't believe her. But then she started telling me some stuff that she just shouldn't have known. She didn't even know that she was you know, had passed away. Right. And then she's telling me very intimate stuff that I'm not sharing with people and that she couldn't have known. So she had my attention. She said, the first message Jess has for you is she wants you to write a book. And I'm like, okay, that, you know, it just be like me right now in this podcast telling you guys, I want you to go bake a cake. You know, it'd be like, <laughs> well, now's not the time, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what does that have to do with anything? You know, but then she said, uh, she also wants you to read a book. So the book was titled The Afterlife of Billy Fingers. Not a really good title, but a very good book. It was basically about this, this man who had a very troubled life, was a recovering addict and an addict, active addict, and just always getting into trouble, jail, in and out. And he had a very close bond with his sister. He tragically passed away and he was able to communicate with his sister after he passed and kind of just, just reveal everything that goes on in the afterlife. So I'm reading this book and I'm just serious, you know, the worst I've ever been in my lifetimes, a billion, because I'm just riddled with grief and anguish every single day. And that was a little bit illuminating for me. And I was leaving to go off on a trip to South America. I was, I, we sold, we got rid of the company. I quit my job in the, in the corporate world packed my bags and said, I'm going to go out and tour South America, start there and start volunteering. So one way trip to Bogota, one of my best buddies came with me and um, we just kind of hit the ground running from there. Uh, it was actually Cartagena, but I'm reading that book. And as I'm traveling the world, volunteering in different capacities or like teaching English, teaching self-defense, going to, you know, daycares and helping kids, helping women protect themselves from their their drunken husbands, just really heavy stuff, burn units uh, uh, of children's hospitals. I'm grieving tremendously. I'm going through this crazy adventure, but she's giving me signs, continuing to give me signs and encouragement. And I'm starting to like kind of expand the way that I look and perceive at life. And so grief is your desire for your life to be other than what it is. That's truly what it is. When somebody passes away, you want them to be here, but they're not. But 
you could lose a job or you could get stuck in traffic. You're grieving that because you're basically, you have attachment to life being other than what life is. And you want to change it. You're kind of like not going with the flow of change and you're fighting it. Grief is this huge tidal wave of all that happening in a flash, something you're so accustomed to, something that is love and light and beauty in your life. And that person's gone, but the love's not gone. Like you two are a couple. When you go to the grocery store, Erica, does the love fade between you two? Is it based on proximity? Like, do you have to be in the same room? I can't even remember his name when I leave him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah. So it's, it's basically, I had to learn that even though my life is much different than what it is and I'm traveling the world and I'm doing this crazy stuff. Um, the love is still always there. And so she was always kind of feeding me signs and giving me encouragement. And then I kind of dived into in a much deeper level, my own spiritual awakening. So doing a lot of different meditation, learning a lot of stuff, reading a lot of self-help, educational, religious, faith, esoteric books, uh, all across the board, and just kind of devouring these things to understand that it wasn't my circumstance. It wasn't Jessica's death that made me sad. It was my attachment to her wanting to be here. Yeah. And which is, is, is yeah. perfectly fine. But when was that going to end? How was that going to end? What, what is it? What's going to happen? That's going to make me happy again, or make me see light. So I knew that I needed to find my own self-love within and create that. But I didn't really know that that's what I was seeking at the time. I can look back and knew that that's what I was doing. So then I continued traveling the world, um, you know, coming back to Chicago here and there, but went and lived in Costa Rica for a while. And that's where we got married. So went there and just started kind of thinking about what this book was supposed to be that I was supposed to write and still doing a lot of mental, spiritual, emotional work on myself constantly. And then I drove back from Costa Rica to Chicago in an old like Land Rover truck. Took about three months, broke down like every day. And it was a crazy gnarly adventure going through all these different countries and meeting these people and just all these crazy experiences. And it was beautiful. But I thought of the first chapter and the last chapter of this novel that I want to, that I felt that I was supposed to write. And Jessica told me that I should be writing. And so I uh, was planted and given that kind of idea. And I finally made it back to Chicago and um, decided I still didn't want to be here that much, but I was still going through all this spiritual awakening stuff and continuing to read more afterlife books in addition to everything else. And came across this other book called Many Lives, Many Masters, where this therapist uh, has this good connection with one of his clients and she's able to access past lives and kind of go into them as if, you know, myself recalling the memories of this I've life. I've heard of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I read that book and that was recommended to me by somebody on a ferry when I was in Nicaragua and life just kept spiritual stuff, just kept being planted in my life at a certain time where I, I felt that I was ready for it. And then I read another book called uh, journey of souls, which is same kind of thing, but this therapist speaks with hundreds of patients and is mapping out the afterlife depending on what they're saying. And so he's giving a, a really kind of clear plan on what the, the true life is uh, away from this earth in the afterlife and that we're, we're coming here and it's 
kind of a school for our souls to learn and remember our, our divinity, but to go through different lessons that we choose the life and we choose some of the souls that we're coming to life with. So that really resonated with me because everything was happening and I was getting really clear signs from just still really good encouragement and guidance. And I was just kind of like learning to live a different way and not being so analytical, but like, it's kind of the way I describe it to like people I'm teaching and stuff. It's like, you're, you're seeing in color and then you're kind of evolving your perception to, or you're seeing in black and white and you're evolving your perception to seeing in color. It's just, it's really hard to describe, but you're seeing things that you could not have perceived before because these new senses are awakened in you and you're just looking for different stuff. And so then I did what was called a past life regression. And I went to a therapist actually in displays here. And um, I just said, Hey, I want to see if they're Jess and I had a life together. And um, I can't go into too much detail, but basically that happened. And I saw in that life that um, it was with vivid clarity. You would feel the emotion of the person You would see stuff. It would also like, I would sit there like whittling wood at one point. Cause you have to kind of like, it's like fast forward and rewind. You can go to different chapters and good parts of your life. Otherwise you could just sit there and see yourself peeing in the woods, <laughs> you know, like it wasn't anything. It didn't have to always be significant. You'd have to like choose that. So I thought that was kind of, I don't know, better evidence that this is not just something I'm creating of my own grief and anguish. So saw that and that I ended up dying first in that life. But then she continued on and was grieving tremendously, but I was there to guide her to like pour love and light into her life to look after her as she continued to, to grow through that life. So as soon as I walked out of that session, I felt like I, I like kind of took off the grief cloak and I would still have battles and bouts of grief, but I felt really free because if that's the case, then this life here is just a chapter in a very long book. So I don't have to grieve finality of, of her death. I just have to grieve her running out to the store for longer than I'd like, and that we'll see each other again. And so that was very liberating. And then I'm continuing on traveling. Um, I, I moved to Italy for a little bit and began writing the book, uh, living in the Amalfi Coast and then traveling extensively and then finally decided that I wanted to come back to the States again and I didn't want to live in Chicago. So I just packed up a car and drove out to San Diego and I was there for five and a half years and um, just came back again less than two weeks ago. Uh, and a lot has happened since then, you know, trekked the Himalayas, India trips and, and, and just all over the world having this crazy epic adventures, spiritual cultural kind of phenomenons and just beautiful existence. But along that way, along that path, somebody that I knew was going through a very difficult time and having a hard time and contemplating, contemplating whether they wanted to live or not. And so I felt really called to like, go talk to this person because I had learned so much and my perspective had changed and I'm having a very good life in a sense, even though that she passed, it's still, that's not my, my daily breath wasn't that love anymore. So I started helping him. And then there was somebody else started helping that person. And then it kind of just grew where I was started like mentoring and teaching and coaching these people. And I was just doing it all pro bono. Um, Cause I had a lot of 
resources, but this stuff just makes sense to me now. Like I read these books, uh, esoteric or, or self-help books, and I already know what they're saying. They just put it in words, but I already feel it and see it. And I can kind of like dive into somebody else's life and see how their perception can be fine-tuned to alleviate suffering in a sense that they're looking at things with a certain, in a certain lighting. And then if they tried to look at it in this lighting, it would be liberating. So I started coaching and teaching and I started then producing content on YouTube and I'm still writing the book, teaching people and um, to supplement all this stuff because you don't make a lot of money doing that pro bono work. Um, I started working with like medical technology, selling lasers and consulting with dental lasers. So started doing that. So I was busy doing that traveling while continuing to do all these other things that are like my true passions and purpose here. And uh, over time, I'm making this transition. I started another marketing company to help and supplement income, but I'm mentoring people one-on-one, um, doing like little programs and stuff now for them. I put content on TikTok, obviously, YouTube, and uh, some other places as well, sharing that stuff. I, I developed programs so that people can purchase the program and kind of get like an all-encompassing mindfulness manifestation uh, program to help, you know, create the dream life that they want to create, or at least find peace and love and beauty. So my whole goal here is to launch that book in due time. So I'm searching for a literary agent pretty soon, and then I'll be public speaking and just kind of sharing my story and then trying to teach where I can. And um, I still get signs from Jess and, um, and one of them was, you know, I found love again. And now I'm engaged and my fiance and I are pregnant and we're due in January of next year. So just, you know, I can't express the, the just endless blessings and beauty that are in my life now. And I'm in Displains, Illinois. I'm not, you know, this is nothing like, wow, he's the Bahamas living it up. It's all about your perception. And uh, from your perception, if you come to that place of gratitude, you can manifest a lot more abundance through that place of just being that embodying that gratitude. So that's the Cliff Notes version of uh, a little bit of my adulthood story. We can talk about Andrew if you want childhood stuff, but I figured I'd start with this. <laughs> no, wow, no, we're good. That was yeah. That was a that was a lot. I'm so yeah. My God, where do we start? I mean, just to I take... was like, what's going to be your first question? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you should have ended with that. So, do you guys have any questions? I have yeah, five. exactly. And time. <laughs> I have five. The the first one. I've always been interested in past life regressions, and I wonder yeah. what that process is like. So, you find the person, mm-hmm. and what do they do? Like, what is what happens when you get there? So basically, yeah, you can go. There's a resource. Um, Michael Newton has a website. He's the one who wrote um, Journey of Souls. So he has a website and you can go find a past life regressionist in your area. Basically, you know, I, I thought I was going to be like hypnotized, but you just go in there. And if, if anybody meditates, uh, I teach meditation, do it on a regular basis. That is very good to go into, into that having experience with meditation, because all they're doing is putting you kind of in a very, very relaxed state of being. And then what she does is navigate you through a conversation to access that subconscious, uh, those subconscious memories. And we have all of those past lives like stored up within us. And so we're just basically how to access that stuff and recall it. So 
there's all these different things that people, you know, claim that what you may be, uh, you know, accessing, but it's pretty straightforward. You're just sitting down and very relaxed and then kind of walk you through it. And then you just start off with what you see and you kind of get just like vision unfolds. And when I stepped into it, she was like, look at your feet. And I had small little brown feet. And then you just kind of scan your body from there. And then your, your life, you know, you can kind of fast forward, rewind, but I was also like, oh my God, you know, like, cause you're just like seeing this vision and feeling these emotions. And so it was like really trip, you know, you're just kind of tripping yeah. out because it was so vivid, so clear, so surreal, but very authentic for myself. And I wasn't sharing this to be like, Hey, everybody listen up. It was just that very intimate thing for me. And so it was just one of the best gifts of, of my life to be able to kind of know that and feel that. And then from there, she said, you like, you kind of open up this window for a few days, three, four, five days. So I went home and meditated extensively and was able to see dozens of past lives, dozens of them. And, and not only was Jessica uh, a prominent soulmate, uh, other people in my life in this life have been in past lives with me too. And then you go to, you know, the beyond and you're kind of in these groups and stuff like that. But, you know, very much seeing what my soul's purpose was for this life. I even got a flash glimpse into this future life. So I know what I'm doing in this life <laughs> in time to come. I'm just working hard at it. And I actually saw, just because it's fun, um, when I was accessing that, I said I had seen like dozens of past lives at this point. And you do horrible stuff in your past lives too because you're evolving. So I went like way back and you're just like, oh my gosh, my behavior was so atrocious. <laughs> no wonder uh, I got what I deserved in that one. But um. Anyway, so I was like, well, let me see if I can just like access this current life. And so I did. And I saw a bunch of stuff that um, was beautiful and, and I think would be a great blessing. But there was a woman, we were sitting outside on my parents' driveway and her, she had like longer hair, but her face was blurred. Uh, but we had children together, child or children. There was two there, but I know that I felt that these were offspring of mine, whether one or two, I don't know. But it felt like two, but there was this woman there, but the face is blurred because the powers that be, they don't want to reveal everything because if I saw her face, then I might meet that woman at Barbie. Oh, you're the girl from my vision. We're going to get married and have kids. And then, you know, she, and then you're not <laughs> jump out of a window. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, and also you had to go through all the other potential women that you know, to learn your own soul's lessons to, to, to also get, you know, I was rusty. I was out there, you know, with Jessica for so long. So you, um, you're given so much, but you're not given everything because you still have to work at it. You still have to make choices in this life. There's free will, but there's also, there's kind of like, I call it as there's absolute free will, but we're going to come to points where we're going to have to make some hard decisions. And depending on what we do, our life can go one of many different ways. So we kind of come into this life with some major obstacles that we, we are going to see how our soul and our, our person navigates beyond them. But um, it was awesome because I still do all the meditations, all this stuff, and I don't look in past lives anymore. I feel my attention is, is good to be here. But um, I went back when things got a lot more serious with my fiance, Susie, and I. And then I went back to revisit that vision. I was rusty and it took a couple of times, but I went there and then it was her face, you know, that was unblurred now. And it was like, 
kind of cool that they gave me that after I had been with her and felt like this was the one. And so um, just really awesome stuff. And, and kind of, I feel like I have like a little, I don't know, secret map to help live my life. And um, I'm still going to be working on manifesting and affirming and, and being very mindful and gratitude and all these other things, but to kind of have some answers already there for you it has been a tremendous help but it can anybody can do it it's just whether you're into it or not you know yeah that's such an interesting avenue to go down and explore and erica and i have actually discussed several times like i wonder if we were together in a past life because just how many strange decisions that had to be made and how many like i'm surprised i even did that happen for us to have yeah. met each mm -hmm. other it almost seems unrealistic um, and even once we actually met each other and got together, you know, we lived across the, almost across the country from each other and somehow still, we made it work up until eventually now she lives, she moved to Indiana just for me. And, yeah. uh, I mean, it's just, even whenever I joined the military, cause it's the, where we met, she knew what job she wanted and she chose it. I had no idea. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just knew I didn't have a clear path after high school. So I literally like let someone else choose what I was going to do. You know, I didn't even care. And just somehow all those things led to her and I meeting each other. It's just so strange. And then as much as we love each other, it just seems like it had to be so. Yeah. And didn't you almost not ship on that day to your training? Oh, yeah. I mean, just like so many things almost didn't happen. Tons of stuff happened. That, for yeah. that us to cross paths exactly where we did. So yeah. and then when there we did, is... he was obsessed with me. So it's like. <laughs> It seems like it was just so like meant to be mm -hmm. like it just yeah, happens there organically, like a soul contract, right? That's what it is. Yeah. A soul contract. Yeah. And I don't believe in coincidence at all. It's all these things are, are destined, but you know, it's, it's beautiful. It's funny. Cause you say, you know, that it's, it's not based on reality, but like, what other reality do you know? Like, what are you comparing it to movies? books other people how they meet and so it's like that is your reality that's more real than those other stories but we have this in our minds that life works this way and then your love story the way you guys meet it's like fantastical to you it's almost like wow this couldn't have happened <laughs> but that's the only reality you know and yet you're comparing it to another reality that that would be more real but you never lived that so it's like what you're saying doesn't even make any sense, but I get it. But that's how we're trained to perceive that things are going to work this way, you know, and that the coincidence is just a happenstance. But actually, that's the world that my perception is tuned into. So things like that happen on a daily basis. And you just smirk and go, oh, that was cool. That was a good one, you know. So but you have to train your mind to see that you guys have trained yourselves to see that with your connection. Imagine if you train it to just see it with your life in total, you're going to start having these things happen that seem too just perfectly timed, but they're there for a reason because you're getting help from just something beyond yourself, if you will. And uh, they're guiding you and taking care of you. But a lot of people tune out that stuff. I was tuning it out. It was like, you just put a cloak on your antenna. And then when you rip that thing off and you, you, open yourself up to receive those signals life gets just crazy fun and adventurous. yeah it's it's interesting that i mean i'm 
somewhat religious myself, but not like over the top with it. But You're spiritual. Yeah, people will believe in religion and messages from um, God or, or whatever source they believe in, but won't even acknowledge this type of spiritual message or signs. So I think that's yeah. pretty interesting. It well, is. I just think yeah. It's just like what you call it, like call it what you want, but, but there's just a greater source out there. Right. So some people call it God, not the universe. And some people say the universe and some, you know, not God, but what it, I think no matter what it's rooted in the same belief. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just a different and even, name. Yeah. And even all the religious texts, if you read all this stuff, the Bhagavad Gita, the Bible, the Quran, you know, the Tao, like all that stuff out there, they're talking about the same thing. But like, if, if the only water that you have ever known mm-hmm. was cold river water and the only water i have ever known was a was a you know waterfall in jamaica and somebody else only knew the ocean somebody else only knew some big lake but it's all water but it's very different and it's a very different experience it's a very different temperature very different viscosity possibly if you're going to the red sea and you're floating but it's all water so it just kind of depends on your own perception of things and what you know but we are all, I think, discussing the same thing. God, mm-hmm. source, the powers that be. But it just depends, I guess, on your audience, what word you want to use. You know? Sure. What are some of the things that to, to program your mind to be open to these things? So if you're like listening to this and like, I'm really closed off, or maybe I, I potentially kind of see it, but I don't know. How can I train my mind to, to see these things, to be in tune I would um, start investigating mindfulness. There's a few books I recommend. I do a whole mindfulness um, playlist on YouTube because what is your mind? Like when you say that, what is your mind? For you, Erica. What is it? I don't know. Exactly. What? Control center. So, <laughs> I, well, I mean, so- sometimes I have this weird, so I, I got Invisalign. And they took a picture, you know, they take a picture of your teeth, but when they showed me the picture, I wasn't expecting it. It was just my skeleton and the teeth. And then I was like, I really, I came home and I took a, I took a picture of it with my phone. I was like, Andrew, holy shit. Look. And I was like, I'm just a brain. Like the, like all of this, like, this is like a, 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 like an encasing, like it's, what are we like emotions and everything and thoughts and memories is you're just a brain and, and you have to be a soul also, but I, I don't know. I have, like, if I start thinking about that, I think it trips me out a little bit. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that you don't know the answer to what your mind is means the first step for you would to learn what your mind is. And so that would be learning about the mind. So like, when you say that I'm just a skeleton and a brain, I don't even believe that your consciousness, your soul is consciousness. So you're, you're coming into this physical form, like an avatar and you're embodying this and you're using this to, to do your thing, but you're not your brain. Your brain is, you know, that, that organ that is, is good for analytics and processing this, that, and the other, but your mind is something completely different. So I love the book, the untethered soul. It is a very excellent beginner's book for you to understand your mind, because how many thoughts do you have throughout the day that are like the incessant stream of like, I got to do this, and it's just like everything across the world. They say we have a hundred thousand plus thoughts. Mm -hmm. I don't, I have much less because I have pockets of peace because I don't need that, that incessant jargon going on forever. Why? It's like having the radio on 
and then going from one station to the next, to the next, the next, every three seconds, having it blasted up and you can't turn it off. Hmm. Don't you like to drive around, just turn the radio off sometimes? That's nice. So you can train yourself to have a very present, powerful, aware mind without thoughts, without that in stream of monologue, that streaming monologue there. So to understand that first, because that really determines your quality of life, because the mind and your perception is the first thing to point out when somebody did something to make you angry. It's the first thing that turns on when you need to be defensive. It's the first thing that finds fault. So what if you turn that off and you just allow the thoughts to go away? Are you upset nearly as much? No, you're actually just kind of residing in this nice little current of peace and, and awareness. But understanding your mind is the very first step. So I would read that book. Again, on YouTube, I have the playlist to understand what your thinking mind is and to see how much of, or it's called the ego, how much of your life is being stolen away by that ego, that thinking mind. But when you get a better understanding, a lot of stuff is just going to unfold for you. Oh my God, I always do this. Oh, I was always doing this. And, and then that would get upset and this would drag me to that. And I would be all, you know, gossiping about this, blah, 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 blah. And the whole time I'm all pissed off. And it's a beautiful, sunny, perfect day. And I'm not even able to see it because I'm cloaked and veiled in discontent, being angry or frustrated or anxious or worried or depressed. And so when you go from there, you're establishing a really good foundation of presence and mindfulness, of awareness. So from there, then you can kind of build through the principles of law of attraction manifestation because you're going to choose to think the thoughts that you wish. So it's kind of like I always have when I'm teaching and mentoring, people understand what mindfulness is. And then from there, things already just get way better. You're at least establishing a platform of peace and, and wellness. So yeah, I would check out that book. Power of Now is also another really good one. Mindfulness in plain English is a good one. And uh, the list can go on from there. But for, for that stuff, for the mind and perception, those are the three that I recommend right out of the gates. Okay. So we're going to understand the mind. We'll read the books. And then I think a lot of people are programmed. I know a lot of people that it seems like they only notice or at least only talk about negative things. Mm -hmm. This person, I was driving and this person cut me off is what mm -hmm. they come and say. I was driving and this person did this, or of course this would happen to me, you know? So it seems like some people are just focused on the negative. So yep. is the next step, would you say it's like simul simultaneously or is the, then the next step to learn what to focus on? You're going to see, it's going to be a natural kind of progression because you're going to see that I'm focusing on this, that, and the other. How does that make me feel? Well, if I'm feeling, say, if this is my level of peace right here, there's a bar in front of your chest and that's peace and wellness. Like kind of like you're waiting in a, in, a, in a perfect serene lake, right? And that water level comes right up to your chest. That is your peace. If you dip below that, you're angry or frustrated or, or anxious or worried, depressed. You're just discontented. You're dipping below that line of peace. If you come above it, your joy, it's abundance, it's love. So you would just notice, well, when do I dip below that line? And then you're going to find out when you do dip below that line, it's because your mind, your ego, your thinking mind is wanting life to be other than what it is. It has what's called in you know, Buddhism attachment. So 
We want life to be other than what it actually is right now. I wanted that person not to cut me off. Well, who promised you that they would? Who <laughs> promised you that everybody was going to drive perfectly? Nobody ever made that promise, yet you expect that. You have attachment. So it's learning to let go of attachment through the principles of understanding, well, how does my mind perceive the world? What is attachment? I have a great little analogy I can share with you guys if we have time, but it basically from there, you're going to stop seeing the negative and you're actually going to start just kind of seeing neutrality. And from there, you're going to experience more joy in life. So it's kind of a natural progression. When you learn mindfulness, you're going to stop being such a you know, wet blanket, <laughs> a negative Nancy, if you will, because life just changes for you. You're seeing, I don't need to like always perceive the worst and feel like shit all the time. I can get myself out of this state. So it's pretty cool. Just in that, that in of itself. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I can tell the, um, just hearing you talk about it, I can, you know, sense the importance of learning these things. And I think it's pretty unfortunate that all the years you go to school and you're not really taught yeah mindfulness or how to control your emotions or anything like that it seems super important and i know um it would have been very beneficial to me growing up absolutely me too that's my number one goal and passion is i'm kind of building an empire if you will teaching speaking writing everything but my number one goal is to implement mindfulness in schools in in the united states beyond whatever but to teach kids how to understand their mind and then from there, they're just going to be all little rockets of success and, and happiness and joy because it's not based on circumstance. It's based on your perception of your circumstance. And so when you teach a child to do that, you're literally giving them the absolute best gift you could ever give them. What type of meditation do you practice? All different types. It just kind of depends on what I'm doing, but I'm pretty well versed in like a dozen techniques, but it just kind of depends what I'm going after. So I, I usually just do a mindfulness meditation with body scans and trying to release thoughts and then do some kind of stuff tied to uh, visualization and manifestation at the very end. I do that twice a day usually. Yeah. I know you asked about, you were kind of curious about my morning routine. So yes. I get out of bed and um, do a bunch of cocaine right out of the gates, you know, to That's just supercharge. Yeah, I mean, I like your style. People don't people don't want to talk about it, but let's who we can. <laughs> so, um, I have water. Uh, drink a bunch of water in the morning uh, before I go to bed, and when I wake up, and then I uh, take the dog out, and then I come meditate. I come meditate and do a mindfulness meditation, depending on how my day is getting started. Either twenty minutes to forty-five an hour. 45 I do five minutes. You meditate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you get used to it too. It's like, it, imagine if you just started doing yoga, like just started 15 minutes yoga of yoga is like, oh my God, you're crazy. But then there's people doing it for three hours, you know? So it just depends, you know, how comfortable you are with it. I we've, I've went to retreats where you do 10 days for 12 hours a day and all you're doing is meditating. Yeah. Are you, are you not eating? You're not like, stopping? no, you take little, you take little breaks to eat and stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. So that's all you're doing. No eye contact, no, uh, no talking. No, you don't make sounds. You don't talk to anybody and you just do your meditation. You should check it out. It's called Vipassana, V-I-P-A-S-S-A-N-A. Mm -hmm. So they have all the different little retreats, but super powerful. If you really want to understand your mind, but you kind of have to be, 
I think it's best to be a little bit prepared to get into something like that because it's very extreme for a lot of people. You do, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, then I meditate and then I stretch. Um, I do yoga in the morning. It's like I was an ex gymnast, so I take some stretches from there, some yoga stretches. Susie always teases me. She's like, "You're not doing yoga, you know?" Because I'll do like a few poses of yoga and other stretches, but I just do like a 15, 20 minute thing, and then sometimes I do my workout in the morning or sometimes in the afternoon. But then I hit the ground running and go about my day. I work for myself, so I schedule my days as needed. And I have a lot of different kind of obligations that I'm doing and tasks that I am I'm doing because I'm running two different companies and one being my own, it's called Enlightened Evolution, but my own wellness is teaching. So it's, it's doing all the content, editing all my stuff, shooting all my stuff, scripting all my stuff, and then posting it, hashtags, all that good stuff on YouTube, on TikTok but then writing the novel and then mentoring people one-on-one and then filming uh, the programs. I have um, a mindfulness and manifestation masterclass online accessible through my website, joe-hain.com. And so you can get it there. And it's kind of like this awesome course. I think it's like five hours worth of content. And I basically, I'm giving an extreme cliff notes of what I teach here and now, but I walk through all those videos for people and just give them mindfulness, affirmations, visualizations, manifestation, attachment, everything. And then basically understanding mindfulness and then starting to transition your thoughts to manifestation to kind of create abundance. So whatever you want to be successful in, whatever is your passion, your pursuits, you can do that, but you have to understand how to use your mind to have that perception and feeling and and that belief and faith. So it's an awesome course that anybody's interested in kind of getting, you know, a better grasp on this kind of stuff. Yeah. We'll put a link down below in the show notes. Perfect. Man. How do you balance all that on a daily basis? You just kind of, you know, it's, it's hard some days, but it's just uh, some things kind of surface in importance from day to day. I schedule stuff. Um, I have days for different stuff. Cause I, again, I own this other marketing company. We did yeah. like a whole masterclass for marketing for dentists, but I have days where I'm like, okay, we're doing the webinars those days. So that's nice. Cause it's like, you're kind of focused on, on that. And then, yeah. um, I fill in pockets here and there. So just try to hold, I'm sure there's probably a better way to do stuff, but I'm just, I think, uh, I've got a pretty good grasp on it, but, uh, I also want to like live life. I want to like dance with my fiance. I want to like laugh with my dad. I want to go play with the dog. So I like being able to just do that when I want. And that's kind of one of the main reasons I like working for myself, just that quality of life. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know if you ever hear this, but on behalf of those who watch your content, thank you because it's super thank helpful you. stuff you put out there for, um, I mean, people who are going through things, dealing with anxiety, dealing with loss, stress. I mean, I mean, everyone's got it going on these days and yeah. it is hard to handle, especially if you haven't done your own research like you have. Uh, and mastered that, then you just leave the house some days and almost want to look for a fight. I mean, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just accidentally scrolling across one of your videos might change somebody's whole day or a whole perspective on life. And you, you're changing a lot of people's lives. It's pretty powerful. So thank you, man. Thank you for saying that's very kind of you. Yeah. I mean, that's, I just, I was this ball of stress and anxiety and always I always wanted to escape. Like I always wanted to be like, I'm, I can't wait till I can quit work in the corporate and move to wherever it was. Cause I thought there would be happiness. 
But now I know that I would have just moved there and found 10,000 reasons to be upset too. And so it was literally, I just had to train myself to do that. And I still have like bouts of anxiety, not so much anxiety, but like a little stress. Like we moved across the country with my pregnant fiance. She flew, I had to drive. We had to pack up and leave three weeks early because my dad wasn't faring very well and things got real serious. And we had to just kind of hit the ground running. So I had to stop all work stuff, managing the launching of this company and then drive across and then come here and, you know, in and out of the hospital, all this stuff. And it's weird because I'm right back to where I was with my late wife, same hospital, back at home now, you know, my dad's here. And so it's crazy now because I'm, I feel like I'm on a podcast with you guys, like doing this and my dad's two bedrooms down, you know, and it's just, it's a very liberating perception and I'm going to go to him and pour love into him and, and, and his whole battle and everything like that. But it, it's not something for only a particular set of people. Anybody can make this happen in their life. If they choose that it's important. People are like, Oh, the spiritual awakening, you have to do this, this, that, and the other. You just have to decide if your life is the caliber of life you want to live. And if it's not, there are a billion resources out there besides myself that are ready to help you. I tell people, you know, the first thing to do is learn about your mind because your mind is the thing determining your quality of life. And from there, when you get to understand that, it's like, imagine if I gave you a different body, if I took your mind and put you in a completely different body of a horse. You'd be like, what is going on here? Like, this is way different than I'm used to. That's what's going to happen when you start learning about your mind, because you're just going to be like, it's been me. It hasn't been the jerk at, at, at work. It hasn't been my boss. It hasn't been my partner. It hasn't been this. It hasn't been that. It's been me. It's been me the whole entire time. There's nobody to blame. There's nothing out there. It's only my perception. And then you learn how to change your perception and everything changes. And then the external changes. That's what's great about this world because our thoughts, our mind, our perception, our feelings, our spoken word, our belief and confidence and our faith alter our reality. So when I tell you to learn about your mind, it's not just to be like, oh, I am Buddha. It's also to be like, I am God in a sense. I can manifest my own reality to one of abundance, but without having attachment, you don't need the yachts and the Lamborghinis and all that stuff because those are just things, but you can create love and joy and, and wealth and health and fruitful relationships. And though that's the real currency of this, and you're just kind of expanding through that experience. But anybody who's listening, it's all there for the taking. You just learn about your mind. And then from there, you can, you can notice an extreme shift in your life in like six months. It's I'm just, excited. Whether it's I love important. it. I'm excited because I'm doing my research now. This is such a good episode. I'm going to, I'm there's, there's, we try to, of course, when we're editing, we'll play it back. We'll mm-hmm. listen to it, but there's a few episodes that I go back and listen to again. I'll edit it because they're so good. And this is going to be yeah. one of them. And oh, I'm going to take notes. I know it. Awesome. And for other books too, I just want, because now that I have people's ears and attention as well as yours, is that learning the mind is one thing. Learning about spirituality, if you will, is a whole nother topic. 
And then there's learning about manifestation. So these are three topics I would, I would invest encourage people to invest in. So for the mind, it was those three books are phenomenal. Then for uh, manifestation, I would look into the law of attraction by Esther and Jerry Hicks. I think it's a really phenomenal, good, it summarizes extremely well. And just, it was a very beautiful gift in my life. Um, And from there, you're going to learn more about manifestation, but I think that's like just probably the one book I would recommend out of the gates. There's definitely others. Joe Dispenza does one to um, becoming supernatural. There's a few other people out there, but I really like the, the Abraham and Esther and Jerry Hicks. And then for spiritual books, there are a tremendous amount, but that journey of souls is really cool for if you kind of feel that there's more to than what the, you know, quote unquote, normal um religions are offering but um the seat of the soul is is an enormously eye-opening book conversations with god is another one there's three books to that three parts i've heard really good things about that one yeah very good um the four agreements and then it just depends from there um i would also read the Tao. the Tao Te ching is phenomenal mm-hmm. and the bhagavad gita you can read the Bible if you haven't already, because you, when your perception changes, especially the New Testament, you're seeing Christ's true message, and it is perfect, but, you know, it gets lost in a lot of opinions. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, so um, those are some really, really great books, and from there, the universe will give you what your next book is supposed to be, <laughs> you know, depending on where you're at. It always does that, it just drops it into your lap but there's a lot of great esoteric Sufism, all this great, beautiful stuff too out there, but plenty of resources for people. And then of course, I'm here to do what I can, humbly so. Uh, So on TikTok, Joe Hain, and then uh, my YouTube channel too, Joe Hain, H-E-H-N. Perfect, perfect. We'll make sure to link all of those suggestions in there and then your links to where people can find you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you guys for having me good good time yeah it was an honor it. i'm i'm excited i think uh <laughs> even this may have you know happened uh us getting in contact with you may even happen for me for a, spe- a special reason because i got things i've dealt with throughout my life it. so Just yeah kidding. yeah and maybe I'm she planned this help. out so, so awesome, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah she's like thank oh you i so forgot much. to record this one. Oh well no but uh <laughs> i'm here to help in any way i can it was a pleasure meeting you guys you're a lovely couple and i wish you the best oh thank you and the same to you all right thanks so much Thank you.